This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3091 for Monday the 8th of June 2020. Today's show is entitled Fugu Serve. It is hosted by Zen Floater 2 and is about 44 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Fugita Open BSD Server Building a New Wi-Fi Router Server. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Well, it's uh, been quite a while, gang, since I've made a uh, an audio. I think a little over a year. And uh, as you know, I'm a big OpenBSD user. I like OpenBSD because uh, uh, it's much more secure than any other operating system that I've ever used. Uh, it also seems to run better than any other operating system I've ever used. Now, it's not the fastest operating system uh, by any stretch. That would be a showdown probably between FreeBSD and Linux. But it is certainly uh, the most secure and in my opinion uh, probably the most stable or most accurate. And that's important to me. Uh, You know uh, the only other operating system I'm currently using is Triscal and Triscal has an amazing number of capabilities for a free software operating system, but um, frankly, uh, the Mate desktop and everything, and, and how Linux does things, sometimes drives me nuts. It's uh, easier to, uh, for instance, uh, edit videos and things using um, Triscal, perhaps, but. Um, OpenBSD, you know, doesn't have access to webcams and uh, stuff that people use to use to make desktop videos. Usually, in my videos, I don't use a desktop uh, desktop cam anyway. Um, I don't put my face on my videos. That way, people continue to watch. <laughs> but at any rate, um, I'm recording this uh, this audio, by the way, using OpenBSD 6.7, which was just recently released. And uh, it's the i386 version of OpenBSD, and it's on a Dell Mini 10, which in itself is um, probably 12, 13 years old. It has a tiny little 250 gigabyte hard drive, one gig of RAM. Uh, the entire thing is, uh, frankly, very small. It has uh, like a 10-inch screen, diagonal screen, and uh, a smaller but not terribly hard to use keyboard. It's actually got a pretty good feel to it and trackpad with a couple of touch points. 
And uh, OpenBSD seems to support it quite well, and as you can tell, I can record audio with it. I'm using Audacity right now to, to make this recording. And I've got the XSCE desktop set up here, and a lot of people who are ricers would poo-poo that, that want to use DWM or um, one of the other ricer desktops. But I, uh, I prefer um, some of the old traditional 90s type uh, desktops. In fact, this, this particular portable uh, or mini notebook, it doesn't have a DVD drive in it or anything. It's just basically uh, four USB ports, I believe, or maybe three. Yeah, three USB ports, uh, RS, a, uh, an Ethernet jack, a mic recording jack, an earphone jack. And uh, what else do we have here? Um, oh yeah, video out. RGB, I think, video out. And of course, a, a power plug connector. And uh, <coughs> what I love about the Dell Mini 10 is it's tremendous battery life. I mean, this thing will last for well over eight hours. I think I've had it on for as long as 12 hours before it ran out of batteries. So I can literally uh, take this thing out to the park and and uh, use it uh, for three or four hours writing stuff out in the sunlight uh, using an uh, Emacs or uh, LibreOffice and um, just enjoy the heck out of it. In fact, I'll take it with me everywhere, uh, poolside or uh, when I take a bath, believe it or not. I'll sit there and listen to podcasts or watch videos. I've got Firefox on here. I also have the option of having Chromium if I want. Those are the two web browsers that OpenBSD supports. OpenBSD implements Pledge, which uh, severely restricts the access of those two browsers so they can't just walk off with your SSH keys or do something... Um, bad with Java that you don't want done. So um, it watches out for you and it's a, it's a really good system. I just upgraded from 6.6 to 6.7 tonight on this laptop. I've got uh, five laptops running OpenBSD and I just acquired a new server. Uh, my old server had been in use uh, running OpenBSD for 13 years now and it's starting to give out on me. It needs to be rebuilt or something. It needs a new fan. It needs a new uh, CPU heat paste and uh, it needs to be scraped and cleaned out and and uh, refurbished and maybe put back online later. So what I did instead, which is, which is the typical thing that most Americans do, instead of rebuilding it, I went out and bought a new one and uh, I went to uh, Think Penguin and bought one of their um, what do they call it? Penguin Nine desktops, I think it is the the, the, the number nine version. Uh, it's got eight gigabytes of RAM and a couple of Celeron processors, you know, two, dual core Celeron processor. And I put in a six terabyte hard drive in there, and I pulled um, the RAID array out of the old server and put it in this box that had four drives. So I could easily transfer the data. And uh, one thing you learn about running OpenBSD with a fast file system is you want to have an rsync backup of your main database in case the power goes out. Because uh, sometimes you'll lose files. You know, it's not like it runs ZFS or something. However, OpenBSD does plan on implementing the Hammer 2 file system in the future once Matt Dillon over at 
Dragonfly finishes Hammer 2 that's still under development. So uh, we'll have a um, the Hammer 2 file system on OpenBSD in the next probably five, six years, certainly. <coughs> any rate, um, this is sort of a, a casual recording. I'm not going to be doing a lot of editing. Uh, there may be some mistakes in it as I open cans of Pepsi Zero to drink them in light cigarettes and whatnot. So it's not, uh, this is not commercial quality for sure, but it was never intended to be. All right. Well, you know, every time you lose power, um, typically uh, when my old server would go out, I'd have to wait till I came back home again. Sometimes I'll, I'll be gone for three or four days or maybe a week uh, working um you know, in my, my normal course of employment, and um, if the power goes out, I'm going to have to wait that long to restart the server, because typically with a fast file system, uh, it's always the temp partition, uh, slash TMP, your temporary files, that gets corrupted, because the operating system writes to it all the time. So I decided with this new system, I'm going to run Fuguita on it, and uh, you can take a look at Faguita at F-U-G-U-I-T-A dot org, which is, um, that is uh, Kawamoto's um, website. He's a Japanese man who makes Faguita, and it's based on OpenBSD, and basically what it is is it's OpenBSD that runs from memory. It boots off uh, either a, a um, an ISO, a CD, a DVD ISO, rather, and or a memory file stick. Um, that you can put on a USB and it has memory storage and everything else and what I've done is I've set up my server to run off of Faguita now so when I get my updates I'll just do them once a month um, Kawamoto or Kaw as he pronounces himself in emails he uh, applies patches to Faguita and republishes this image as OpenBSD patches things so once a month, I'll just download a new image uh, from his website if there's been changes. Typically, um, once a month, or maybe once every two months, there will be a patch from OpenBSD for some security or maintenance issue that needs to be applied. And uh, downloading the ISO and, and putting it to USB stick is easy. Um, Faguita, as I say, it stores all the ports that you add in the way of programs to uh, hard drive storage or USB storage for reloading the next boot. So uh, uh, changing the image out is really just about as easy as doing a sys patch. You know, if you had an installed version of OpenBSD, you'd use sys patch to patch the unit. You don't have to download uh, source trees from CVS and recompile the entire operating system or bits and pieces of it and reinstall it and reboot. You can just run syspatch now and with Faguita it's just basically download an image put it to a USB stick and uh, boot it up and um, repopulate it with uh, configuration files in Etsy, your home directory, whatever you might have in your root directory and var and uh, save it off to the hard drive again for automatic reboot. So when Faguita runs, it's a, as I say, OpenBSD, it runs from memory, it runs from memory. And when the power goes out, there's nothing to corrupt. I mean, on boot up, it pulls the system into memory. And so the memory's all, uh, everything's running in memory. 
also the only thing that could get uh, corrupted are uh, any hard drives that are mounted and um, uh, since all my hard drive volumes are over five terabytes in size um, including the array um, they're all written in a more modern version of the fast file system that has a little bit more redundancy to it so uh, you don't get your file system tore up and, and stuff destroyed as, as much as you used to with the fast file system uh, version 1. Version 2 is uh, a bit more redundant and as I said Hammer 2 is coming so when Hammer 2 gets here then I guess none of us will have to worry about that ever again. I mean you'll be able to flip the power on and off like a madman. Anyway with this new server I have tested it. I've pulled the power out on it multiple times while it was writing to the hard drives and it came right back up with just a minimal amount of FSCK blather on the screen. It didn't lose anything so it's uh, functionally as good as as any Linux would be with uh, say EXT3 I think would be a good equivalent not bad I mean you have some interaction on the screen but it's not the end of the world of course it'd be great if we had a journal fast file system but that's a another story for another day I think they'll probably implement hammer 2 before they worry about that so at any rate um, I have installed Faguita on this new system and it has a 500 gig hard drive is this main hard drive and then this six terabyte drive that I said I'm using for my media storage I have about a terabyte of, of information that I store on there and uh, and and I pulled the RAID array out of the old server and, and mounted it in the new one so that I could copy the data over to this new drive and have some redundancy that way it used to be I just kept a, uh, a USB drive uh, that was uh, approximately four terabytes in size that I could plug into my laptop and I'd back up the server that way over the Wi-Fi because you know if you do it in small increments it's not really that big a deal you know you might back up for 30 minutes or something while you're home and then it's all done so um, at any rate the new server does have um, an Aetheros Wi-Fi card in it with dual antennas and it's got some pretty good coverage and um, I'm using it with my uh, my Linux laptops and uh, it serves the house quite well it's it's got a good strong transmitter and uh, I have it located in a room that's right next to where the uh, the uh, telephone company brought in the DSL since we live out in the magical forest as you know out in the countryside we don't have cable out here so anyway, I thought I would uh, discuss uh, what's what I did to set up the Wi-Fi, and um, for that I have to SSH over to the server. And let me just move a terminal over here to a new spot. There we go. And we'll SSH to the server take a look at some files. Do a little typing here.
this uh, Dell Mini 10 laptop I'm using with 386 i36 uh, BSD is uh, is a little slow, and it just takes a moment for it to get the server up. And the server's programmed. I've got it set up to launch Tmux immediately, so I have a dedicated Tmux interface that I can use to uh, to access the server. And we're in. So let's go through the configuration files. Uh, let's start with the DHCP client if we can. DH client, I guess. The DH client. If I, it would help if I could type. There we go. When you run Fagulita, you'll notice, and I'll provide copies of all these files. Um, you'll find that there's a dhclient.conf file, C-O-N-F, um, in your Etsy directory. And um, I have mine set up to um, take a lease off of my EM0 interface, which happens to be my Ethernet port. <coughs> and I have uh, in the file uh, a couple of items commented out, ignore domain name servers, because I plan on running DNS script proxy with it later as soon as I fix some configuration issues. And I also have um, a SuperSeed domain name servers uh, set to my local host, 127.0.0.1, um, both commented out. Uh, because I'm still working on my DNS crypt proxy, I'm having a little trouble with that. But uh, I'll I'll iron that out because they changed a few things in the last release that I want to work around uh, that I had running in the old server. But for now, I'm just using the ISP's DNS because it's faster and anymore. Uh, it seems like they're logging you on everything anyway, even if they say they're not logging. So. I may not be implementing D DNS crypt proxy because it seems like there's been a lot of bad actors come up and start up servers on, on that particular network. Anyway, in here you'll see a line that says reject well, 192.168.1.1 with a colon. This is so that the DH client, when it comes up and it gets a lease off of um, my ISP, <clears throat> won't get a lease off of itself because it's going to have a DHCP server of its own to serve out leases to all the laptops around this house and cell phones and things that need internet access. And uh, if you don't put that in there, then you'll just end up getting a lease from yourself and you'll have no internet connection when you boot up. So that's never something that you want to do. Some of this stuff is uh, live examples. I won't be editing it. So you'll, you'll get to see how I actually run it. But there's also the DHCPD CONF file. And um, I'm going to provide an example of that. And this is our actual DHCP server file 
and at the top it has uh, declared the subnet that we're running 192.168.1.0 with a net mask of three 255s and a dot zero at the end of that and uh, a, a point a pointer to our optional router 192.168.1.1 for outgoing uh, has a range that it's going to supply of uh, dot 40 through dot 190 so those will be the uh, I think that we call this Class C uh, in-house IP numbers and um, you'll see a list of um, different computers with their hardware internet addresses and uh, fixed addresses uh, that it is assigned to um, various computers around the house. You could use this as an example. For instance, there's my Dell Mini 10 uh, that has a permanent IP of 192.168.1.200 uh, when I log in. Listed there. And um, I give it a name and a hardware Ethernet series of numbers to match uh, the Ethernet hardware identification for each Wi-Fi adapter and you can see I've got quite a few computers that log into this thing. The uh, next uh, file we're going to look at is dhcpd.interfaces and basically all that's in that file is the uh, the Wi-Fi interface of the server which is ATHN0. It's an Athros Wi-Fi host AP adapter which is um, the one that I think Penguin seems to use the most of. I've got two or three other computers around the house here and uh, they use that quite a bit. Let's see if I can get this. Uh, I'm having a little trouble getting the terminal but release this. Let me pause my recording for just a second while I work this out. Okay, we're back now. Now uh, we're going to cover in the Etsy directory the host name files and in OpenBSD you set up a host name dot interface name for every interface that you want to program. And the first one we're going to look at is hostname.athn0, which covers our Wi-Fi interface. And this is what brings the Wi-Fi card up into host mode. And you can see in here I have an INET set up of 192.168.1.5, uh, 3.255s and a 0 for my, my range, through 192.168.1.255. So it actually has a wider range than um, DHCP actually uh, covers, I believe, for the system. Media is auto-select. Uh, media opt is host AP. Uh, it's set to channel 4. Uh, it's got the WPA interface turned on. 
network ID is FuguServe and then my WAP, WPA key which is my actual key for my Wi-Fi I put that in here which I'll change uh, on the um, text that I put up on the website here for this recording and then the word up to bring that interface up the next file uh, that we set up is um, hostname um, dot bridge b-r-i-d-g-e zero and this is our bridge interface <coughs> and here we're adding a interface called vtether zero which is when I created a virtual interface em zero has been added ATHN zero is added uh, block non IP on vtether zero em zero and ATHN zero or block non-IP I should say and then up on that the uh, next uh, file is hostname.em0 and there we have uh, DHCP and INET6 auto configuration and then finally the hostname.vtether0 file which has a range of INET192.168.1.1 3255s and then uh, 192.168.1.255 I have for um, the uh, the entire 192 range that uh, we're going to be commingling here in our virtual interface now let's see uh, now the pf.config is, is rather complicated uh, at the top of it we have interfaces defined vtether em0 and athn0 combined and uh, we have a list of broken interfaces uh, that we're going to um, probably ban somewhere down here in the script Yeah, we do bring in the, in the script. We also declare a table called brute force that's a persistent table uh, that we're going to use to block out SSH attackers because SSH is the only port that's open on this interface to the outside internet, outside world. And uh, we start off by setting a block policy drop on, on everything. And then we set interface egress interface egress we set skip on low LO0 we match in all scrub uh, no DF random ID max MFS and 1440 now it would help if you got a book on uh, the PF firewall I'm not going to try to explain all that in this audio I mean this took me quite a long time to to collect from various places on the internet and sort out with the book and I'm still working on it. I mean you could spend a lifetime studying the uh, PF firewall um, but anyway I just provide this as an example for what I set up and you can see I have commented out in the middle there uh, my block on any UDP for port 53 which is a part of my um, my setup for um, DNS crypt proxy that I'm working on
Anyway, I've been using this firewall for 12 years at least, and um, that's one of the great things about OpenBSD is, you know, their configuration files and stuff, they don't change really that often. I mean, they improve the software, but they don't redesign everything like Linux does to where you have to relearn everything under the sun to get anything to work as what happened with when they introduced system D or or um, they went from IP routes to IP tables so on and so forth you know over time you had to learn a whole new way of either running firewalls or running your init system or something else you know and um, I don't like that anyway this particular configuration uh, had been running with the um, DNS crypt proxy for like 12 years and working fine and I'm just trying to iron some bugs out of it that um, that I'll I'll get back with another audio in the future when I get it perfected but typically I like to run DNS crypt proxy and I'll discuss the changes that I made in the future uh, to improve the firewall but anyway I'm not going to go over this firewall too much because it would be boring and you, a lot of people wouldn't understand it. You need to get a book on PF, the PF firewall, and study this if you really want to follow me on it. But as you as you can see, this has been one that's I've had in the development now for uh, a good decade, and it's been running really fine. In fact, it's running right now. And uh, the way this is set up is if you. Uh, attack my firewall unsuccessfully uh, or reach my max connections you will be put in the brute force table and banned and um, I have accidentally managed to ban myself on a couple of occasions so I know it works <laughs> anyway uh, the command pfctl or pf control is the way you take IP numbers in and out of that table if you want to unban yourself so but you'd have to be at the console to do it but at any rate in uh, in running this for a dozen years no one has managed to get into the server at all uh, we need to cover the uh, there are some variables that uh, need to be set in syscontrol config to enable um, forwarding and um, I'll include a copy of my setup of that uh, but Im Im important is the uh, net.inet.ip.forwarding equals 1 and they um, also have a net.inet6.ip6 forwarding which I have turned off because I'm not doing IP6 And uh, net inet ip redirect equals zero. And uh, I got kernel buff cache percent at 50%. And uh, net inet ip ifq max length 1024. Net inet tcp uh, dot mss dflt equals 1440.
mockdep dot allow or allow aperture uh, equals two and mock deck late action equals zero. All of these are covered in the man pages. Uh, OpenBSD has some fantastic man pages on syscontrol and all the variables. And you can actually go through and pick out each one of these variables. But uh, the IP forwarding one definitely has to be set to one. And it wouldn't hurt if you tuned some of the other ones. Anyway, I provided this as an example. Now let's see. Uh, the rc.conf.local uh, I have set up to launch several things as well. And uh, we've got check quote is equal to no, DHCP flags set up for vtether0, which means uh, that's where it's going to launch the DHCPD server from. That's where it'll be listening from, I guess. NTB flags, in other words, the network time protocol has been launched. Uh, there's my package scripts for DNS prox, DNS script proxy, which is commented out at the moment. Uh, uh, sound IO flags equals no, or SND IO flags equals no, excuse me, and unbound flags equals uh, basically hash hash. Um, or quote quote I should say and that starts unbound which reminds me we need to cover unbound and I'll provide my example of that it's fairly simple it's under ver unbound etsy unbound conference uh, conf and I'll provide that and um, Hopefully I didn't miss anything. I think that's about all you have to have to get it going. Of course, if your server has different network interfaces, you'll have to audit the PF scripts and the, the various host name files and um, perhaps DHCP files. You'll have to edit all the files to cover the, the changes in your network cards. But I just set this Fagula to server up the new one up today, and I've been testing it, and I'm I'm really happy with it. The performance is quite a bit better than uh, OpenBSD spinning from a, a rusty hard drive. Um, even though I am using a rusty hard drive to store my data, the operating system is is great, and I've I've added a minimal set of packages to it. Faguita also, if you install it to a, um, a local hard drive there on the, the server for quick booting from a USB key, you can go into the uh, D section, the D partition, which Faguita should set up when it creates a new drive for you as part of the USB FADM command that you read about on their website. <clears throat> and you can go into the no ask section and edit that file and uncomment out the appropriate lines to get it to auto boot. So when the power goes out, what the server does is it'll auto on and it brings the Gulita up from the first 500 gig hard drive. You know, it boots it up from there. And Fagulita has the option of uh, creating a um, either a an old NetBIOS 
standard BIOS boot configuration or EFI, UEFI I mean, or a hybrid which is a combination of the two which is what I'm using. And this server will boot uh, UEFI but I've got it set up to where it just boots you know from standard BIOS because frankly I hate UEFI. <laughs> I do. But it's nice to know that I have the option of putting it on a UEFI server and it will boot from it and run. Now the other great thing about this is since I have this configuration, everything, all my programs, my SSH keys and everything are set up, <coughs> excuse me, um, on a USB key disk. In other words, it's an exact copy of what I have on the server installed to the, the main 500 gig drive, you know, or the working drive for the operating system. I can take it to any other server, you know, somebody's office, somebody's house, and, and install this and just change a few configuration files and have them set up in a server in less than an hour, you know, and show them how to maintenance it. Because, like I said, maintenancing one of these is just as easy as downloading a new image from the Figuita website as they provide patches and just copying a few of these configuration files into it. Because, like I said, the configuration files mine haven't changed in over 12 years with the exception of the DNS crypt proxy because they keep you know that they keep redesigning DNS crypt proxy and they keep coming up with new uh, DNS crypt proxy files uh, server files because servers come and go you know and you have to to, to keep following that I mean that's been sometimes a real constant source of irritation for me to to keep that going and and you know keep it with performance you know performance is the issue I think uh, for me but if you run it like I've suggested and just use your um, your IP uh, servers natural DNS the thing runs like a bullet I mean it's it's really very fast so anyway I'll uh, copy uh, these files out to uh, the website so you can just have a look at it and have a go at it and uh, like I said you'll, you won't have to worry about corrupting any of your file system with Fagulita and OpenBSD if the power goes out because when it the power comes back on the server will auto start which most of the new ones do now you know you don't have to be there to push a power on button and it'll just load that stuff up from the first hard drive there the small hard drive that they give you or USB stick if you've got it set up to boot from USB stick put it into memory and then it'll be sitting there waiting for you to log on so you can mount your main hard drive where your data is and you know do a file corruption check on it and maybe restore from a backup if you happen to have a backup array like I do you know I'm using my old drives as, as the backup array right now so for the uh, for the new drive so if anything happens I can just use an rsync uh, backup and uh, do um, a hash check on it to make sure that all the files are correct, which takes a little longer, but that's good because you know someday, someday soon we'll be into the Hammer 2 file system, and I won't even have to do that. I won't have to worry about it. And maybe I can just make backups to a USB drive again, uh, like I had been doing, and carry them with me in the car in case the house burns down or something happens. A tornado wipes out the house and kills my family and everything while I'm gone. <laughs> Hopefully not. 
But at any rate, um, it works great, and uh, my entire family loves it. They, especially this new server, it's got a really great Wi-Fi card to it. It's it's so much better than a damn store-bought uh, Wi-Fi router. Plus, OpenBSD does packet inspection and everything else in addition to providing that fantastic firewall for you. And, you know, I just sleep a lot better at night. I used to run Slackware servers for years, but um, and I'd run it with Fail-to-Ban. And, you know, Fail-to-Ban is almost like a weekly hassle to keep up with the latest attacks. It is, because there's, there's people coming up with new things, ping of death and all these other things that affect Linux. Um, <coughs> even on the old um, Linux Action Show, I remember Chris Fisher running a script where he gained root access in, in less than 30 seconds on his box, and he just showed how that script worked right there in the video. And I, I understand that there's like six or seven scripts floating around there that, that will exploit the Linux kernel in the same manner. Not to mention uh, the fact that uh, we still have the Spectre problem, and OpenBSD resolved that by simply turning off the symmetrical multiple, uh, uh, the SMP, SMT, I guess it is, um, within their kernel. So I, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to, it, it really is the most secure operating system in the world. I don't think anybody makes a commercial operating system that comes close to it. Uh, certainly not. I mean, OpenBSD also has um, currently a a floating port system that's uh, just like uh, Arch Linux in that as soon as a new version of, of a particular program comes out uh, they'll throw it out there like um, uh, particularly in the server side and also with certain desktop applications they'll throw it out there you know, and they release every May and every November, I believe. And so you get these updates to certain packages during the entire time, which is something you don't even get with Ubuntu. So I think when they get the Hammer 2 file system in here, um, I think more people will probably start using OpenBSD because, frankly, um, for most of us, it's a better system. It, it just is. And uh, it has more modern software than Debian, for sure. So uh, I've been slowly pushed away from Linux in the last 15 years going to OpenBSD and um, I'm, I'm quite happy uh, with what I'm seeing. Uh, they also have the ability uh, to do a uh, sys upgrade command from the root, which is how I upgraded this little Dell Mini 10 I'm talking to you off of, from OpenBSD 6.6 to 6.7. So I don't even have to reinstall the entire operating system. It just does it for you automatically, like uh, as if you were using Ubuntu almost really quite uh, quite better than it was 12 years ago where uh, if you wanted to upgrade in place basically you you had to download the CVS copy of the source image and recompile your entire operating system and then go through and um, of course edit all your configuration files which is another plus for Fagulita because you, you did have to occasionally edit configuration files to get new options and it makes it so much easier when I go to 6.7 version of Fagulita, I'm on 6.6 right now with this server, I'll just go through and read each configuration file that Call puts on there to see if there's any new options and go through the man pages, you know, as I set the new server. You know, I can, I can do that in QEMU 
and uh, actually boot up a, a copy of Fikulitas 6.7 when it comes out and, and QMU and head it all, hand edit all that stuff and set up my own USB key right on the server and uh, then reboot into that USB key and restall it to the hard drive and uh, I could be on 6.7 in less than two hours you know the biggest deal is, is making sure you have all your configuration files edited properly which is one of the big complaints I think most people have about Ubuntu that are power users, especially the server, is how it handles the the uh, updates to all the various server files. Because in Linux, it's it's uh, the changes are much more severe. You know, you really have to keep on top of configuration files when you go from say 1604 to 1804 or whatever you're going to 2004. I mean, you just never know what they're going to do next. And Debian is is particularly deadly on that. But, uh, yeah, I'm really very happy with this, and I'm going to go ahead and conclude and uh, wish you all a happy day. It's uh, good to be able to make a, um, an audio again, and uh, we'll make one again soon, hopefully. Bye for now. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.